Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Okay, the Penn State Blitz podcast, late February edition. I'm Bob Flounders, joined as always with Greg Pickle. A lot to get to, including some almost some breaking news about James' contract. He's finally signed his contract. We know the details. We're going to share them with you. Talk about the Penn State players in the 2020 Combine. Some news on KJ Hamler. We're also going to get into Etor, Gross Matos, Cam Brown, and the rest. Daniel Joseph, former Penn State defensive lineman, has got a new home. We'll share that news, and we're going to conclude with Greg Pickle's favorite thing, the Penn State mailbag. Okay, Greg Pickle, this is a big day for you. It is. I don't know that the Penn State fans really realize this, <laughs> but you have literally been waiting since the middle of December for the actual details and the actual signing of James Franklin's new contract at Penn State. The news has finally been released, which means he's finally signed the contract. It is through 2025, I believe. Yep. I know you've kind of studied this thing pretty thoroughly. A couple of new wrinkles. But just your immediate thoughts on the release of the information and kind of what James has to look forward to for the next few years. Yeah, he told us not to worry. There was no reason for concern back in early February when uh, he held his National Signing Day news conference and was asked about, you know, hey, you signed it. A verbal agreement happened in early December, and uh, there's still no contract out. Took a little bit of time to dot all the I's and cross all the T's. My assumption is that because for the first time, uh, the university is listed as a loan, $1 million for life insurance for every year during the course of the contract. Mm-hmm. You can't just walk into the insurance office and say that you would like a million-dollar life insurance <laughs> policy so uh, so or whatever the policy actually is, the payment on it's, I guess, a million dollars. So at any rate, you know, I'm sure that there were some things that had to be ironed out from that perspective, and uh, everything's good to go now. So the money puts him inside of the top 10 nationally, the guaranteed annual compensation, which is basically a salary mm-hmm. plus Nike money, plus TV money, plus radio money, et cetera. That totals out to 35 million, 35.4 million over the course of the deal. Damn. So, you know, in the 6 million uh, range per season, when you average it out, the uh, buyout went up. So he was originally, it was just a million dollars. Now if he leaves after the 2020 season for an NFL or a college job, $5 million, that goes down by a million every year. Mm -hmm. The $300,000 retention bonus actually jumps to 500,000 over uh, 2022 to 2025. That's payable on December 31st of every year that he's employed. And the bonuses still are in play. So uh, if they make the college football playoff final, he gets 500000 before snaps played, 800000 if they win it. And the New Year's Six Bowl, I believe, is worth 400000 So, you know, the money is what it is. It's competitive, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for what Penn State is competing against. I can't also help to think that the fact that the salary he's making is a little bit less than what it was under the old deal means that some of that money is going elsewhere. Again, the uh, the life insurance policy is mm-hmm. a new wrinkle, but... You know, Sandy Barber told us in Dallas that, you know, James, the negotiations with James wouldn't have anything to do with having more money for assistant coaches and things like that. 
Maybe not directly, but indirectly, certainly. And I can't help but to think that that played a role. In addition to the assistant coaches, do you think there's been some money allocated for facility upgrades? Or is that is that secretly part I, of the deal? Or I what? would assume that maybe some assurances were made that, you know, things could get done. If you looked at the photos that Joe Hermit posted from the Thon Explorers program last week, you can see uh-huh. a lot of the work that was done. You know, they have a video game set up now. They have some kind of thing that looks like one of those top golf simulators that are inside for... Uh, maybe kicking practice or something. I'm not really sure. But they have done a lot of work to sort of make that Lash building more than just a, a football office and headquarters, but really a home for the players. And it always has been. You've been in there. I've been mm-hmm. in there. I mean, they've always had things to do. But it seems like each opportunity we have to get in there, which is only a couple of times a year, there's some new wrinkle, be it a barber um, set up so that guys can get their hair cut, be it, again, the video games, the TV, so on and so forth. So You've thoroughly researched this. Kudos. I didn't know that you had this kind of a memory. Well, we had... I've been out with you, and uh, your memory has not been great uh, on, some, <laughs> on some weekends I spent with you on the road, but mm-hmm. you thoroughly have this thing nailed. I, I think it's great that they've kind of finally you know, put this to bed, and it sounds that James, James has got the security that he that he needed and also he deserved. So hopefully this will accelerate maybe the process as Penn State tries to get closer and closer to that. Well, so far it's been an elusive national yeah. college playoff bid, but he's certainly getting paid like the way the way that he has coached since right. the 2016. Season. Yeah, recruited as well. So yep. I think the next step for them is obviously to to make the Final Four. You know, you check off the box. It says he's not the highest paid coach in the country, but he's in that conversation for sure. They haven't won or made the biggest tournament in the sport, but they're right. in that conversation in close. So mm-hmm. now, as we've talked about a lot here and elsewhere, it's time to, uh, to take the next step. Absolutely. Let's talk about some former Penn State players getting ready. Well, actually, they're already out in Indianapolis for the Combine. A couple of headliners. One made news. One may make some news a little bit later, depending on how he tests. But kind of a disappointing reveal by K.J. Hammer. He's got a hamstring issue, and he's not going to be able to run at the Combine. Greg, I really think he was – I know he ran sub 4-3 while he was at Penn yeah. State. I think he was one of the fastest players at the Combine. Everyone likes to kind of hone in on 40 mm-hmm. times. I think he would have been in the conversation, but – Probably a smart decision for KJ Hamler to back off, and you know when he's 100 percent or as close mm-hmm. as he can be before the draft. That's when he wants to run for the teams and uh, the scouts. Yeah, it's disappointing because I do think he was going to take aim at the record. You know, obviously these guys train from pretty much the moment the bowl game ends until yeah. the combine, specifically for the combine. So things like playing weight and all that go out the window. It's how can I get fit, mm-hmm. you know, slim and trim and everything else to run as best as I can, or for the defensive lineman, lift as much as possible, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I do think he was going to take aim at that record. So it's slightly disappointing that, uh, you know, he tweaks the hamstring, according to reports. He won't run out there. Ultimately, though, whether he broke the record was way off the record. I mean, I think it's pretty clear how fast he can play, and his game speed is significant. And, uh, I mean, selfishly for you and I, we'll probably get to watch him do a, you know, attempt to run a time similar to the record at Pro Day yeah. next month, so... I guess that's something we have to look forward to. But, yeah, disappointing. And There are four other guys out there. They're getting in throughout the week. And if you didn't know, because I think you and I just found out this week, but the Combine's moved to primetime. So Yay. there's some local businesses in the area that may not do as well this weekend. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, uh, you look at uh, the schedule. You know, they start yeah. Thursday night. So depending on when you're listening to this, we'll talk about how you can listen to this earlier in just a moment. But, uh you know, 7 to 11, it sounds like, is the window on NFL Network. 7 to 11 p.m. Uh, Eastern is the network, is a window where yeah. they'll show drills and things like that. Okay, of the remaining Penn State players, 
We're talking about Etor Gross, Matos, Cam Brown, Robert Windsor, and I believe John Reed. Yes. So those, are the other, those are the other four or five in total. I think LSU has 29, 35, yeah, right. something like that. Yeah. Ohio State's got a ton. But Etor, I believe, does he work Saturday night? Yes. And that, I think, you know, he is viewed as a potential first-round pick still. Yep. Or early second-round pick. You know, how much of it, in your mind, does a good combine showing does he need a good combine showing to be in the first round, or do you think his tape kind of speaks for itself? Yeah, there were a couple um, draft nicks who sort of have come out and said, you know, we weren't sure about this guy, but the more film we watched, the more yeah. we liked the kind of player that he is. He's in the bottom of every first round. Uh, Seattle is a popular destination yeah, for Yeah, Seattle, Seattle and Tennessee, so he could follow in Jordan Hill's footsteps or Daquan Jones, who knows? But yeah. um, Or Austin Johnson sure. and Daquan Jones. Yeah, right. How could I forget that? Yeah, I think he has to have the showing that he's expected to yeah. have. I don't know if he has to exceed anything, but he certainly can't drop below what is expected, or he could drop out of the first round. I mean, he is picked right uh, toward the back at this point. I just do wonder if some teams are going to question the number of takeover games that he had mm-hmm. at the college level. But I also think that the tools he has, the things yeah. he put on tape when he was at his best – um, puts him among the top defensive linemen in this draft and also the top picks. Yeah, and the one thing I would say about Etor is, and you've seen him during his sophomore and junior years, if anything, like, I mean, I never, the guy never had an ounce of fat. I mean, right. I mean, he was just always just a well-put-together yep. kid. If anything, I always thought maybe he could even get a little bit bigger. I don't think conditioning or, you know, any of that. I, I mean, I think he's going to look great out there. I don't know how fast he can run, and I don't know how much – the NFL really cares about a 40-yard dash for a pass rusher when they're only really going to try and go right. 15 to 20 feet as fast as they can, as many times as they can, you know, late in the fourth quarter. But just that very unique athlete at Penn State and uh, I think worthy of being a first-round pick. I think KJ's first-round status, if, if he could be a first-round pick, is probably tied to how he eventually will run because they do make a big deal of that, I think, unfortunately, with wideouts and running backs. But let's not forget about a couple other lines. Cam Brown's a fascinating guy just because, you know, he 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 was productive for stretches at Penn State. Never really felt like he put it all together. Never had a redshirt year. Still relatively young. You just wonder if maybe he has another level to get to and he can get there, you know, in the NFL. Yeah, I just assume that teams are going to use these drills and the chance to interview him to figure out, you know, is he a 4-3 guy, a 3-4 guy, and how is that going to work out? And where he goes will, I think, depend on those determinations. Um, the guy to me that has the chance to do the Troy Apke and go earlier than expected, I think, is Robert Windsor. I think he was really undervalued. And mm-hmm. during his time at Penn State, he was kind of a grinder that did a lot of nice things that maybe didn't always show up in the stat box. So to me, if he has a good, you know, the measurables uh, seem to check out pretty well earlier in the week. And if he tests well, I, I do think maybe not a fourth. Well, Apke went in the fourth. So, I mean, I don't know if that's going to happen, but. Uh, working his way up the board certainly seems possible with John Reed. I don't know what teams will be looking for out of him, but, uh, you know, again, when you talk about exceeding mm-hmm. the expectation, that's how a lot of guys end up in the draft who are maybe on the fringe. I think yeah. Reed will have that chance. Yeah, the thing about John Reed is he was he was a good player. He had the knee injury, but a player of very similar size to him, Grant Haley, also similar kind of player, played right away, productive player at Penn State, but not a really big player. Did not get drafted, was able to make the Giants, I think, as a free agent. So I think if John goes, even if he runs 4-3, I mean, that's what Grant Haley could do. He's probably looking at seventh round, you know, best case as well. But, I mean, he's the kind of kid, you know, talking to him and just seeing how he came back from that injury that, 
you know, he can play special teams. I think that he, even if he does not get drafted, I think he has a great shot at making a roster. Is it time for the uh, halftime intermission, Bob? Other than the mailbag, the way that you kind of break it down for our audience, get them to rate us, you know, to subscribe. Yep. I think it's a big part of our show. So take it away. All right. Penn State Blitz comes out every Thursday, but if you subscribe, you can get it earlier as soon as it's published. Uh, you can find it wherever you get your audio, also on penlive.com slash Football. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing, Bob. If you want to watch the video versions, youtube.com slash State. And we have a new thing to promo this week. I don't even know if you know about Uh-oh, it. Oh, he's getting, out of, he's getting out of, something out of his pocket. We have a lot of crossover between Penn State wrestling fans, Penn State football fans, okay. and high school wrestling fans. Sure. We're running a promotion next week for the PWA Wrestling State Championships. If you want text updates, some of you... Who are Penn Life subscribers are already getting those from you, mm-hmm. Dave and I, Joe Hermit. If you want to learn more about the option to get them for the PWA Wrestling Championship, you can mm-hmm. text 717-200-7074. You remember that? 717 I can't. No, I can't. That's a very small piece of paper. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna buy you some full sheets of paper. That was for the, the, next, uh, the next That was the ripped portion of James yeah. Franklin's contract that we didn't have. There was the printer decided yeah. to stop working, so we just You know what? Speaking of that, what are the odds now that he's got some more cashola and he's got, you know, some more perks? Do you think James would sponsor our Penn State Blitz? Something tells me that's uh, not gonna happen. Do you think if he's ever listens, maybe Maybe he's he's either listening to the podcast or he's listened he's watching the video. James, if you want to, I mean, throw us a little coin, maybe sponsor it. We'll get your picture back yeah. up here. It's, we can it's, we it's, can make that happen. We're the only ones doing this. I think every every week, fifty two weeks a year. I don't know of anyone else. It is. I'm, I'm probably missing somebody, but in terms of videos, sure. Moving right along. I don't. I can't really come up with a segue for that. Let's talk about another <laughs> former Penn State player, not nearly as successful as the guys going. To the combine, but a transfer portal guy, Daniel Joseph. Yes. Defensive end. Yes. Where will he be playing? Well, I don't know. Maybe he won't be playing next year, but where is he going to be playing? Off to NC State to to try and find a a permanent home where he can finish his career and get on the field a little bit more. You know, we talked about it when he went into the portal, Bob, but it wasn't a terrible shock that, uh, that he decided to move on. You just look at how well Penn State's recruited that position, and I think that for him to see significant snaps, he was going to have to make major strides, and those guys were almost going to have to regress. So, plus Shaka uh, decided to come back, I think right? That and that didn't help. It. Yeah, that didn't help matters either. So, um, I think we both like the defensive end pitcher they have sure. coming back, and I don't know if we'll see any other defections out of that group heading into the season. But, uh, you know, on the defensive line note, uh, John Scott Jr., the new position coach there, yeah. replacing Sean Spencer, talked for the first time with. Uh, Penn State's in-house media team this week, and I did find it interesting that, um, you know, he said, he was at least honest about it, he said the toughest part is trying to remember all these guys' names the first month on campus. I thought he was very personable. If you didn't see that, you can find it on our site, but uh, Mm -hmm. he seems like he'll fit right in with this coaching staff, and he's going to hit the ground running uh, when the recruiting period travel-wise opens up again next month. I know they have a lot of young players that really haven't played yet that they like, especially on the defensive end side, but Really, I think defensive tackle depth, again, is something we're going to be talking about. Uh, Antonio Shelton and P.J. Mustafer are back, and they were in a timeshare with Windsor moving on. I mean, it sure seems to me like they're both going to be starting rather than have them play in a timeshare. One guy can play the nose, one guy can play the three technique, and then they got to fill in behind them because, I mean, you got to find a third or fourth tackle. You just can't afford to play those guys 
you know, 50, 60 snaps a game. I know they have some players they obviously they like. A guy like Fred Hansard, two years removed from a knee injury, is a guy who could take a step forward. It was so bad two years ago they had to move C.J. Thorpe to defensive tackle. I don't think they're there this year. But, I mean, when you're going to when – when your schedule includes, you know, Ohio State, Michigan – and some even Indiana now. I can't. I can't really say that Michigan State's really. I don't know what's going on there. But you, to 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 navigate the uh, the Big Ten, you, you got to have three or four tackles, Greg, that you can trust. I'm not sure if they've identified them yet. No doubt. All right. Are we ready for the mailbag? Am I ready for the mailbag? By the way, this will be the final mailbag of February. That's right. Even though there's an extra day in February this year. Who which could forget? I'm a little on the fence about it. I don't know if I want the extra day or we just like to get to March. Right. It's closer to spring when you're in March. Even though there's an extra day, the next time we, I think the next time we talk, we're going to be in March, which means it's almost time for March Madness, which I know you're looking forward to. Always. For a variety of reasons, but go ahead. All right, let's jump into it. As we get to the end of the month here, Bob, Yes. Um, the THON event is always kind of the segue between the first half of winter workouts and the second half of winter workouts. Pat Fryermuth was talking to our buddy Mark Brennan at that event last weekend. Mm-hmm. Fryermuth was very um, direct about the fact that he felt snubbed by the Mackey Award. Absolutely. Uh, folks. And one of the other things he kind of shrugged off and laughed at was this notion that Kirk Shirak has never used a tight end very yeah. well and he won't be able to use Pat. My question for you is not so much about what Fryermuth will do, because I think we're both fairly confident yeah. and certain that he'll get his, but... Should there be a concern about the second tight end when Fryermuth has to come off the field? Well, I mean, they certainly have some athletes, in, including uh, Zach Kuntz, who now is in year three. He's definitely gotten bigger and stronger. But, I mean, I think when you look at how Nick Bowers played, I don't think Zach Kuntz can be that kind of tight end because Nick Bowers was a little bit bigger. They were able to kind of run the ball out, out of a two-tight end set and also throw him. I hit, hit three touchdown catches. I, I just wonder, is Zach Kuntz a tight end or is he more of a big wideout? I'm a little interested to see how long it will take Theo Johnson to get up to speed, even though he enrolled in January. I think he was he's kind of viewed as more of a pass catcher at this stage as well. I mean, if they're going to have a two tight end set, I think ideally you want to, you want both those guys to impact the game as run blockers. It's tough, but I mean, you can also throw them the ball. But I don't I don't know. I think they got what they got out of Nick uh, Bowers. Not that it was surprising. The fact that he was able to stay healthy was a little bit surprising. And if you just look across college football, it's it's tough to find pure tight ends anymore because right. they don't really do that in high school anymore. The, the tight ends are pretty much big receivers. But as far as Pat Frymuth goes, Greg, he's got every right to be a little bit ticked. I thought it was a, a I was really really uh, poor. Um, the, the Mackey semi semifinalists or the finalists was like six or eight players. And I, he, as James said, you know, the, are there a couple guys on that list that are better than him? Yeah, probably. But there's no way there's eight tight ends or right. whatever it was that were better. Then Pat, that sounds like he's going to have a little chip on his shoulder. I think Kirk Chiraca is is the, is the kind of offensive coordinator that he will shape his offense around the talents that he had to work with. I just don't think he's ever really had a tight end like Pat Frymuth. I'm also interested to see what he'll do with the quarterbacks in the running game because, you know, Tanner Morgan certainly didn't run the ball. He, I think he coached Joe Flacco when he was at Delaware. Joe was no threat to run. I don't think either. But I think that I think Kirk's a smart enough guy that he will just – the more that his his skill players can do, the more dangerous I think his offense becomes. All right. You mentioned March Madness. We shouldn't have a podcast that goes into the end of February, beginning of March, without talking about Penn State men's I basketball. I think Dave Jones should have a March Madness podcast. I think we, he should... You organize it. He should it get and, uh, into the studio and podcast it up. You the make people sure... people demand it. You I do, demand it. Yeah, do his travel arrangements, and uh, we'll make sure that gets taken <laughs> care of. All right. Looking at this, Bob, 
Obviously, we don't follow it as closely as Dave, some other folks on the beat. But are you bought into the fact that this team can not only make a little bit of noise in the Big Ten tournament, but also get out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament? So you're asking me, are they a Sweet 16 team, essentially? I think they're talented enough, but it's just funny that when they were on that roll and they were playing well, the minute minute guys like Jay Billis and and the ESPN guys called them a team with Final Four potential— They just went the other way. And that I am not saying – I'm not trying to slight the basketball team. I think, I think what we're seeing, though, is, you know, this legitimately is just the hard, maybe the hardest league in college basketball this year. There's just – there doesn't seem to be a lot of easy games. I know Nebraska stinks. Um, but, you know, there's – of the 14 teams, you know, on any given night, I think, you know, nine or ten of them can probably give just about anyone in the conference – a game, and I think it, it's playing out that way. I think the season, the regular season, has been a real grind for everyone in the Big Ten. But I don't think I don't think getting to the championship game of the Big Ten uh, conference tournament is, is actually very important. I think teams could probably use right. a couple days off. But I, I I could see you know four or five teams from the Big Ten threatening to get to the Sweet Sixteen. I think I think at least one's going to get to the Elite Eight. Um, I just think this this regular season grind has prepared a lot of teams for the tournament play and I think they're going to sne- they're not going to sneak up on some teams but they're just going to be there's going to be a lot of hard outs in the Big 10. I think Penn State can be that way. They've got some terrific players, but yeah. The season's kind of been up and down for Penn State all year. You know, whenever they went on runs even to win the NIT, they got hot at the right time. I just think they need to get hot again and I think they can do it. Yeah, you're right. No nights off in the Big 10. Myron Jones has been off multiple Correct. nights due to injury. They get him back, which who knows when that will be. Could be tonight we're recording this before Penn State Rutgers, so mm-hmm. perhaps he's back in action tonight, perhaps this weekend, but Certainly interesting to even be having this conversation, considering most years uh, we wouldn't even bother. All right, last mailbag question, unless you have one to throw my way. I don't. Okay. Again, we talked earlier in the show, James Franklin's new contract is out. The terms are what they are. Makes him one of the top paid coaches in the Big Ten and in the country. Does it matter even a little bit to you that they can now say that? Or is it just sort of what is to be expected um, for a Power 5 program like Penn State, which has had the success that it had? Yeah, it's the latter for me. I just I just think that this is – I think that this 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 contract for him and all that went with it, I think it's the culmination of – you know, he's in his seventh year of six years of very hard work and really a, a success that really started, you know, midway through the 2016 season and it's continued – as we talk about them getting to the national playoff, you know, I, I know, I know there's no medals for trying something Bill Parcells uh, believes in. He wrote, there was a book about that, but you know, they have been so close to the playoff 2016. If they had, they had, they had some games they could have won in 2017, 2018 and 2019. I mean, really, you know, one of those years they probably should have been in the playoff. Maybe it should have been 2016. He's had some good teams. I think they're due to get a break. They've had Ohio State in trouble the last couple of years. They just le- got to learn how to finish the deal. They get them this year. I know Ohio State's good, but uh, the contract's well deserved, Greg. And I just think that I think Penn State is, you know, a lot of people are talking about them as a top five team in terms of talent. If this offense can take one more step forward and they get some receivers to step up, I think this is legitimately a team, especially with Ohio State coming. To- Beaver Stadium that it could be a really fascinating season. All right, time for a timeout. When we come back on the Penn State Blitz, Bob, we're going to make some picks for players we hope end winter workouts on a high note.
And the Penn State Blitz podcast is rolling on. Winter workouts still ongoing, getting close to the end, which means spring practice is coming in a couple of weeks. But let's talk about, you know, there's always a couple players that get a little praise from strength coach Dwight Galt as far as maybe either adding good weight or just impressing or just, you know, really catching his eye. We've heard them over, we've heard him talk about some players over the years. Who are some names, Greg, that you think, if you hear them out, if Dwight Galt talks about them, it really means good things for Penn State in 2020? When Dwight Galt gets in the middle of that weight room, it's funny because he only gets to talk really twice a year, usually after <laughs> Lift for Life and uh, after winter workouts. And he takes advantage of the chance sure to, to uh, share all the great stuff that's going on in the weight room. And I don't want that to come off the wrong way. It just is how it is. He's yeah. very excited to, to share what guys did. I'm curious first, Brandon Smith and Lance Dixon, what kind of weight, if any, did those two guys put on? Because they both obviously uh, contributed in 2019, and they still looked really slim doing it. And I just wonder if those guys' bodies won't look a little bit differently uh, when we get to see them. And then Devon Ellis, the uh, nice. redshirt freshman defensive tackle, Bob, um, you know, came along, I assume, during a redshirt year last year, but weight was going to be something, I think, with a focus for him. You know, where is he on that journey is what I'm curious about. Yeah, I got a couple. Uh, I've talked about him before. Adisa Isaac, pass rusher that they played as a true freshman, did not redshirt him. I think he is a guy that maybe, you know, when you, when you talk about the Penn State defensive ends with Etor, Etor uh, Gross Matos moving on, you have Shaka Tony, who's the veteran. You know, they're not going to ask him to, to do a lot this spring, if anything. So it's really going to be Jason Owe and I think Adisa Isaac getting a lot of maybe work, possibly as you know, first team guys, if not, they're going to be on the field a lot. Interested in him a lot. And two guys on offense, I know, I just remember, I, I just think if John Dunmore can get a little bit bigger, I think he's a guy that I really think can play. I really like the way he runs routes. He's got good hands. That's a that's a big plus, I think, for Penn State's offense because they dropped a lot of passes. K.J. Hamler admitted this week he dropped eight passes. I thought it was more than eight, but it was eight, and that's a lot of passes, you know, to be dropping, and they would have went for big plays. And finally, Devin Ford, you know, he's a guy, I just think that, you know, Ricky Slade's out of there now. I think I think the presumed one-two, obviously, is Journey Brown and Noah Kane. I just think Devin Ford in the weight room, adding a little bit of weight, you know, I think I think that 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 depth chart's going to be in flux all year, even as talented as Journey and Noah are. And I think Devin Ford is a guy I really, I really think he's close to turning a major corner, and I, I think he's really going to help Penn State this year. Let me throw one more at you. Judge Culpepper, if he looks like a Big Ten defensive tackle at the start of spring practice, it could go a long way, I think, in solving what appears to be a pretty major concern about defensive tackle depth entering the season. All right, well, we're going to learn soon enough from your guide's white Galt. I can't wait as well. Thanks for joining us on this week's edition of the Penn State Blitz. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Leave your feedback. And remember, if you subscribe, you'll get the podcast a day early. Otherwise, it's on Penn Live every Thursday. We'll see you next week.